Hey y'all, welcome back to I Can't Make This Ish Up and this is your girl Kia. Now today, we're gonna learn about who really spearheaded the desegregation of bus systems in Montgomery, Alabama. So stay tuned. So have you heard of the desegregation of the bus systems in Montgomery, Alabama? Nine times out of 10, the answer is yes, because all of us have. That's one piece of history that they make sure that they address desegregation and integration of school systems and all of those horrific things of Jim Crow and the civil rights movement. However, have you ever heard of Claudette Colvin? Nine times out of 10, the answer is no, unfortunately. So Claudette Colvin really didn't start getting recognition until maybe the 2000s on a broad spectrum. Now in Alabama, more than likely people have heard of her, but didn't really give it too much attention. But when we're talking about a national level of recognition, yeah, that really didn't happen until maybe around the 2000s. And that's unfortunate because she is one piece of history that is still alive today, still alive to be able to give her own personal accounts, her own story on history and give us her perspective and what she experienced. So the fact that we really haven't heard anything about her on a more frequent scale is a disservice, not only to our community, but to our nation. And I will continue to say that because black history is American history. And the less we know about black history, then the less we know about our nation, we're only going to know 10% of what makes our nation what it is when we ignore really the majority. So Claudette Colvin, we'll start at the beginning. Claudette Colvin was born in Birmingham, Alabama in 1939 to Mary Jane Gadsden and C.P. Austin. So her father abandoned the family early in her childhood. So that made it very difficult for her mother to support the family financially. So because her mother was having financial issues, she sent Claudette and her younger sister to live with her great aunt and uncle, Mary Ann and QP Colvin. Claudette and her younger sister, Daphne, took their aunt and uncle's last name and always referred to them as her parents because, well, they raised them. Um, at that time, they lived in Montgomery County, Alabama, and they later moved to Montgomery where she spent the rest of her childhood. Her childhood, for the most part, was as decent as it's going to be in the 1940s, you know, 1950s. Um, but she was able to have, you know, positive influential adults in her life, such as her great aunt and uncle. And she also had her sister. Her great aunt and uncle also had an older daughter who had left the house a few years prior to go to college. So in 1955, Claudette attended Booker T. Washington High School, which was segregated. In order for her to get to school, she had to take the bus because her family did not own a car. The bus system was primarily used by African-Americans, but they were still discriminated against because of the segregated system. Claudette was a part of the NAACP Youth Council and had a pretty good understanding of the civil rights movement and what was occurring in America at that time. So I think that that is a very important factor of her being a part of the NAACP Youth Council because in order for our children to understand their history and where they're going and what they need to be doing, they have to be educated on that. And 
a lot of times to get that education, we have to seek our own communities to get that in-depth understanding and learn how we can tackle these injustices. So in March 1955, she rode the bus to get home from school and sat in the colored section as they're instructed to do, right? She was sitting in the right spot at the right place at the right time on the right bus. Now, it was a custom that if the all-white seating became full, an African-American was expected to get up from the nearest seats and allow the white person to sit down. Which, again, um, I understand the times, I understand Jim Crow, uh, but I, I think that at some point they have to realize that you're just being, like, you're doing too much. But, yeah. So, when the bus that Claudette was driving home became full, a white woman was standing in the front of the bus. The bus driver, Robert W. Clear, instructed Claudette and the other three women in her row to get up from their seats. Now, it wasn't the fact that they wanted one of the women in the row to get up from their seats to let the white woman sit down, which again is just doing too much. But he wanted all three of them to sit down because God forbid this white woman had to sit down next to a black woman. I mean, we're not going to talk about the fact that you sat in the seat that a black woman was sitting in. So if you don't even want to sit next to me, why do you want to sit in my sweat and my possible farts? But okay, anyways. So the other two women that were in the seat got up, but Claudette stayed. And another woman named Ruth Hamilton, who was pregnant, sat next to Claudette. The bus driver insisted that they get up from their seats, and both of the women refused. Shortly afterwards, the bus driver called the police, and when the police arrived, they convinced two black men sitting behind them to get up and allow Ruth to sit down. Claudette still refused to get up from her seat and was soon arrested by the policemen, who were Thomas J. Ward and Paul Headley. This event happened nine months prior to Rosa Parks when she was, too, arrested for the same offense. Now, why haven't we heard of Claudette Colvin if this happened prior to Rosa Parks? Like, what was the difference between her sit-down and Rosa Parks' sit-down? Well, we're going to get into that. But I want you to remember, this happened nine months prior to Rosa Parks. And everybody that needed to know it happened knew it happened. So, back to the arrest. So while she was being transported by the policemen, they made sexually explicit remarks to her about her body and took turns guessing her bra size. One of the officers also sat in the back seat with her, which frightened her because she felt she would be sexually assaulted, which happened frequently in that day and age. And again, we, I mean, the sexual assaults and harassment that black women experienced at the hands of white men back then is atrocious. Um, we have always been seen as less than, as not enough to be respected. And back then, it was at an all-time high. It was as though our bodies were in our bodies, our minds were in our minds. And if we thought we had a choice, if we thought the word no was going to slip our lips and actually mean something to them, then we were sadly, sadly mistaken. So it was only right for this 15-year-old girl to feel scared and fear for her safety in the hands of two white police officers as she's being arrested for the complete violation of her constitutional rights. Well, she was arrested and jailed, and Dr. Martin Luther King bailed her out of jail and told her that she brought the revolution to Montgomery. She was charged with disturbing the peace, violation of segregation laws, and assaulting a police officer, which she did not do. She did not put her hands on the officers because if she did, we would not be talking about Claudette Colvin. 
one we wouldn't even know her story and two she would be dead okay so we're not even gonna play those games but fine she was eventually convicted of assaulting a police officer but the other two charges were dropped crazy right the two charges that technically i guess she did because they were a law at that time but the one charge that stuck was assaulting a police officer Mm, okay well I can't say it enough, but segregation was a sickness in the society and it was instilled to make people who felt inferior create a false sense of superiority by way of diminishing another group's basic human rights. That's just the bottom line. Like segregation has no place anywhere, but the fact that it existed here and we're talking about an act that happened in the 1950s and it's 2022 tells you a lot i mean this woman is still alive she is still living her best life today her son is still alive living his best life today we're talking about history so when people ask us not to acknowledge our history and ask us why we are always so angry and upset and feel slighted it's because history is still alive the people that experience this are still alive so if claudette colvin is still alive and she experienced segregation sexual harassment and all types of other injustices against black people at that time where are the people that were that were committing the injustices where are the people that wanted to sit down in those seats Where are the people that arrested these people for sitting down? Where are the people that were lynching these people? She can't be the only one alive. So the people that committed these heinous crimes and acts are still alive as well. So history is still here. So the fact that we act as though this happened in the 1600s and that was it and then everything after that was all unicorns and fairy dust is crazy to me if claudette colvin is alive guess what somebody's granddaddy and grandmama is still alive who's out here calling people the n-word and taking pictures at next to lynched bodies and were also the people that killed and murdered emmett till and threw milkshakes and eggs and allowed dogs to bite people and beat people in the streets just for fighting for basic human rights (sighs) okay that was my rant back to the story so um yeah i'm sorry i mm, i could talk about this all day all right so (laughs) claudette colvin was interviewed and she said that even the clothing stores were segregated they couldn't even try on clothes so you was going to take my money to buy these clothes but i couldn't even try the clothes on to make sure that the clothes was fit so i just had to get clothes pray they fit and if they didn't fit i had to have a grandma that knew how to sew so that she could tighten it up or take it out. But okay, anyways. So she said you had to take a brown paper bag and draw a diagram of your foot and take it to the shoe store. And then put the shoe on the diagram and be like, oh, yep, that shoe looks like it's going to fit. But prayerfully hope that the shoe is not too, you know, narrow on the inside or it's uncomfortable. It doesn't really have support. Guess you'll find out when you get home. And we're talking 1950s. So ain't nobody trying to return nothing. Ain't nobody doing no returns. Like it's 2022, you know, Amazon, you buy a shirt and wear it for six weeks and send it back. And they can be like, all right, your refund is in your account. (laughs) That was not happening back then. Um, So referring to segregation on the bus and the white woman, she couldn't sit in the same row as us because that would mean we were as good as her. 
what? Ma'am, you already sitting on the same bus. You're breathing the same air. You are farting in the same space. So you mean to tell me you can't sit in the same row as me because that means we're as good as you? Girl, (sighs) okay. So Claudette was one of the five plaintiffs during the Browder v. Gale case. They brought to the court's attention how bus segregation in general was a violation of their constitutional rights. On June 5th, 1956, the United States District Court of Middle District of Alabama issued a ruling declaring the state of Alabama and Montgomery's laws mandating public bus segregation as unconstitutional. State and local officials appealed the case to the United States Supreme Court. The Supreme Court summarily affirmed the district court decision on November 13, 1956. One month later, the Supreme Court declined to reconsider, and on December 20, 1956, the court ordered Montgomery and the state of Alabama to end bus segregation permanently. So, some of the reasons it is believed that Claudette was not given the recognition for her act like Rosa Parks was given for hers were tied in general to biases, internal racist prejudice, and other conflicts. It is believed that because Claudette was pregnant at 15, that was a primary reason for her to be told to keep quiet about her involvement. It is also believed that the NAACP was trying to portray a certain level of perfection within their organization and she would taint that. It is also believed that because she was not fair-skinned and did not have quote-unquote good hair, she would not be as well-received as someone such as Rosa Parks who was a fair-skinned quote-unquote good hair wearing adult with a job so yeah they felt Rosa Parks would be a better representation for the movement okay so that's something that we deal with even to this day as a people we make others feel less than or try to make ourselves feel better if we're a little bit lighter or we try to I mean I remember growing up like saying that you were a quarter Native American like made you feel like you was the greatest thing since sliced bread because you could claim something other than just being of African descent. If you saw a dark-skinned person with hazel eyes, that made them beautiful. Not the fact that they were just beautiful in general, but because they had lighter eyes. Or um, if somebody was maybe dark-skinned but had softer, looser, curlier hair than a dark-skinned person with tighter kinkier hair they looked better because they it was all really about perpetuating the european features and not really about the beauty of the person in general and this is a case where this was evident because i mean at the end of the day was she pregnant sure okay like that's she's not the first teenager to have a baby and i don't think that that would have defaced the movement because at the the end of the day the movement was about the injustices being done against african-americans by white people it had nothing to do with white people treating teenage mothers wrong so i don't think that her having a baby or being pregnant should have taken away from the fact that she should have gotten her recognition for initiating the movement especially now that you know they i'll I'll get to it but the fact that they've done so much to recognize rosa parks and they didn't do the same for her is it's a disservice so all right let's get back into it so in 2021 her juvenile record was expunged and destroyed saying that 
her refusal had been recognized as courage as a courageous act on her behalf and on behalf of a community of affected people. Um, so in her adult life, well, actually when she was 15, she gave birth to her son, the child that she was pregnant with. His name was Raymond. He was born in March, 1956. They believed that his father was a Mr. Elliot Klein, which Klein was supposed to have been a notable white man and public figure in Montgomery who sympathized with blacks during this time, sympathized enough that he was a grown ass man sleeping with a kid, but never mind, neither here nor there. Um, <sighs> Klein also proposed to Claudette, but was turned down and the two remained friends for years following. I don't really know what happened to him since. I don't know if he's still alive. I didn't really do any research into him because this was her story and not his. So I'll do some more research. And if you have questions, then feel free to email me and we can discuss it. So Colvin left Montgomery for New York City in 1958 because she had difficulty finding and keeping work following her participation in the federal court case that overturned bus segregation. Colvin stated that she was branded a troublemaker by many in her community. She withdrew from college and struggled in the local environment. In New York, Claudette and her son Raymond initially lived with her older sister Velma and Claudette began a job in 1969 as a nurse's aide in a nursing home in Manhattan. She worked there for 35 years, retiring in 2004. While living in New York, she had a second son named Randy. He is now an accountant in Atlanta. Unfortunately, her firstborn son Raymond died in 1993 in New York of a heart attack at age 37. So gaining the recognition that she deserves has been a fight over the years. Between Claudette and her children, they have been fighting for her to get her roses while she's still here. Because it's always when somebody passes is when we want to give them the most recognition. And they have been fighting, fighting for their voices to be heard so that she could get her recognition right now where she can say thank you, you know, and not her kids accept the recognition on her behalf. <sighs> but... Claudette has said several times that she does not want to take away from the fact that Rosa Parks did help to move the fight forward. You know, she doesn't want that to be dismissed, but she does want history to get it right. She wants history to know who she is, tell the world who she is, and recognize what she did for the movement. The Rosa Parks Museum in Montgomery was opened in 2000. And when Claudette was asked if she wanted to have a video presented in the museum, she refused because she was pretty much like, well, you guys already put the museum up and named it after who you feel is the person that should get the recognition. So don't ask me for a five minute video to explain, hey, guys, I'm the one that actually started this, but welcome to the Rosa Parks Museum. So she was like, mm, no, nah, I'm good. Don't worry about it. So in 2016, the National Museum of African-American History was opened here in the D.C. area, the Smithsonian area. And Claudette and her family felt that she should have been given a space the same way that Rosa Parks was in order to tell her story. She was not invited to the formal opening of the museum. That's crazy. Again, they know that this woman is alive. She is not in hiding. She's not in Cuba. She's in America. They know that she's alive and they still are spitting in this woman's face after what she had to endure as a 15 year old child to initiate a movement and then go to trial to face the Supreme Court to get an entire law 
overturned. And they can't even give this woman a corner in the museum. I think that, that that's uh, that's not only a disservice. I mean, we can blame, you know, non-people of color all day, but that's on us because we helped to fund that museum. We, some, some African person that's notable enough to have an, an, a say that sat on a board to say what should go in that museum, sat there and purposely did not include her in that process. So mm, at some point, you kind of got to look in the mirror and say, okay, we have to accept responsibility. So, um, Colvin's role has not gone completely unrecognized. Councilman Larkin's sister was on the bus in 1955 when Claudette was arrested. In 2010s, Larkin arranged for a street to be named after Claudette. Later, Reverend Joseph Rembert said, if nobody did anything for Claudette Colvin in the past, why don't we do something for her right now? He contacted Montgomery Councilman Charles Jenright and Tracy Larkin, and in 2017, the council passed a resolution for a proclamation honoring Claudette. March 2nd was named Claudette Colvin Day in Montgomery. Mayor Todd Strange presented the proclamation, and when speaking of Colvin, said, She was an early foot soldier in our civil rights, and we did not want this opportunity to go by without declaring March 2nd as Claudette Colvin Day to thank her for her leadership in the modern-day civil rights movement. Rembert said, I know people have heard her name before, but I just thought we should have a day to celebrate her. Colvin could not attend the proclamation due to health concerns. In 2019, a statue of Rosa Parks was unveiled in Montgomery, Alabama, and four granite markers were also unveiled near the statue on the same day to honor the four plaintiffs in Browder v. Gale, including Claudette. (sighs) So now you know Claudette Colvin, the initial foot soldier in desegregating buses in Montgomery, Alabama, the 15-year-old girl who refused to give up her seat to a white woman because she knew that constitutionally that was not right. Now we know her name. Now we've seen her face. And now I think that we as a people have to do something for this woman to recognize her and let her know that we thank her, especially those of us that live in cities that do use public transportation and we're riding buses sitting wherever we want getting up whenever we want to, doing whatever we want to, we have to recognize her. We have to say her name and we should give her her roses while she's here. So I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. If you want to contact me, then feel free to do so at ebsmade at gmail.com or you can always contact me and DM me on Instagram underscore ebsm underscore And just have conversations and let me know what you think and let me know who else you would like to hear about. I hope you guys have a beautiful day. Stay blessed, unstressed, hydrated, mind your business, and come back for more. I want to thank you guys for tuning into this episode. You guys are amazing. I appreciate the support. You know, this is something that does bring me joy because understanding and learning our history and knowing that our history does not stop with slavery, start with slavery or end in Jim Crow. We are more than that. We are 
the foundation of America and learning that and educating my children and those of you that are listening on these people bring me joy. So I just want to say thank you and continue to support, continue to listen, and I will continue to bring you as much content as you desire. So stay tuned.